You're listening to The Blind, Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and BJ in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together. This week's topic, live coaching with Steve Catterson. Hey, Dell, how's it going this week? It's going great. I have finally, I don't know if you see this here on my hat. This is a hat I got from Duluth. I've been waiting for this hat to come because I've uh, put my purple tie guy patch on it. So I'm happy about that. I'm excited about our guest today. I'm, I'm really happy about a lot. I'm really just really happy with the way things are going right now. How about you, BJ? How are things going for you? Great. Things are going pretty well. I have played almost zero poker in the past couple weeks because I decided to focus on golf. I had a conversation with my wife and my son. And we decided that I'm going to play golf during the fair weather, during the summer, when it's warm, if it's not rainy, and I'll play poker in the winter and when it rains, and it's just generally inclement. So I got golf when it's nice and poker when I don't want to go outside. What that's going to do, and I'm willing to accept that, that's going to make me atrophy my skills if I don't stay on top of it. So I need to come up with a study plan, and and maybe I'll throw in some online poker. Maybe I'll try to get some online. You know I hate online poker. I'm going to make myself do it. I'll carve out some time. So I got that thing going between the golf and the poker. The other thing is that we just renovated our basement and we put luxury vinyl planking in, in place of our carpet. Our carpet is older than our son, has all the stains from our son and my wife and the cats, and it was time to go. Now, if I do my job right, none of the listeners will know that the acoustics in my basement have changed because of the flooring. And it's going to be a testament to my post-production ability if I can make it seamless. If any listeners hear a difference, let me know. If you don't, then I did a good job. Yeah, you want to know what stands out to me there is you mentioned stains from your son, your wife, your cat. No stains from BJ? I'm blameless, dude. (laughs) I'm totally blameless. No, I have stains too. I have stains as well. I'm sure I've spilled plenty of bourbon and soda and paint and spackle, and all kinds of stuff. Oh, wow. Bourbon is a great segue to our guest, who happens to love bourbon and cigars. Yes, we are joined this week by Steve Catterson, also known as Chip Extractor, who loves fine wines, bourbons, and cigars. Steve is a School of Cards Pro Group lead instructor and runs School of Cards Live Immersion classes with Blake Eastman. Fun fact, I personally took a live class Valentine's Day weekend 2020, and it revolutionized my game, completely up-leveled it. It was amazing. He, along with Coach Dominia, played the largest role in helping Dell improve his on-table application as well. Steve also has experience with several other poker training sites, including Redship Poker and Solve for Why. Steve, thanks for joining us this week. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That was a great intro, by the way. <laughs> thanks. It's true. You, you, the things you have done to help us revolutionize our games is just, it's, it's fantastic. I, I'm honored to have you here. It's always great when we have you in our study groups and our ad hoc Zoom conversations about poker topics. And I'm glad that you're here for the podcast. It's great. So uh, I, it's funny that you mentioned that live group, that live immersion class that you attended, because uh, that was one of our smaller immersion classes. I don't know if you remember, there was only- Yeah, we had five like five. Two. Yeah. So that was an interesting dynamic because I ended up playing with you guys a little bit. And I usually don't do that in the live immersion classes, but of course we wanted a full table. Yeah, that was weird because I was trying to sort of 
not not necessarily pull my punches, but it's all about learning opportunities in those classes. And and an interesting thing here, Dal, you'll actually like this, but the first thing we covered in the class was flop texture stuff. And usually I'll kind of keep an eye on how people are reacting to stuff to see if they're open to new information, especially with students I don't particularly know very well. And I don't think at that time I knew BJ all that well. You can usually get a feel for like who's paying attention or who's open to new information or or who's going to be receptive to whatever is going to go on over two full days. And right away, you could just tell BJ was like into it. He's ready to go. He's rare and he's wide-eyed. He's His posture is all engaged. And like, and it's funny, when we started playing, some people would be closed off to information. Like you'd say, hey, why did you do this? And then they would sort of get defensive or whatever. BJ was just right in there asking questions, swing away. So it's funny, his personality, the way he comes across on this podcast is exactly the way he is in person at the table. I was the only student there, and I don't know if any other students have done this since in your other classes. I was the only one who brought several pieces of paper and a pen, <laughs> and I was taking notes. Do you remember that, Steve? And people took a look at me. They're like, what is this guy with like a notebook and pen? What, what is he doing? Yeah, I think it's those, those classes are interesting because, you know, there is the social dynamic, right? And it is a fun thing to do, right? You are there to, to have a, an experience, right? But you're also there to learn, hopefully, and you're there to improve your game. So the people who are there to experience all of it are going to do the best and get the most out of it. And then people who are there to just do one of those things that, that, that were just mentioned are, are not going to get as much out of it. And you were engaged in every aspect of it. So good for you. And I think that shows in your growth over the last couple of years. Well, thanks. Thanks. And one of the things that we talk about on our podcast is we're students of the game for students of the game, helping bridge that gap between theory and application. That's one of the biggest problems we see with coaching lower limit players is that there's the lack of application. They know stuff. They have valuable information. They just don't know how to use it. Yeah, I think application is really what we focus on in the live classes at School of Cards. And we're very lucky because we have RFID tables and that technology, and, and we use that during the live classes. And that's a lot of things that other, even live training programs don't give you, the ability to actually see the cards you're playing and, and see how you're playing them. And not only that, but record it for students to review later, which is a big deal because I can watch uh, on the monitor and sort of see what's going on. Uh, and see your actual whole cards, and, and maybe I'll make a comment, but we are in the middle of a session, right? We do play it as a real live cash session. So I'm not going to stop between deals and say, hey, you should have played XYZ this way because that gives off information, right? What we usually do is we'll play a live session, we'll record it. Of course, we have the RFID technology, and both me and Blake will sort of take written notes and mental notes on what students are doing that we think need to be addressed. The interesting thing is a lot of times I'll go into these classes having some knowledge of the students and I'll think I understand the things they need to work on. And then we'll get there and we'll start playing and I'll see how they're playing and what they're playing and, and so on and so forth. And it totally shifts. And generally it shifts from believing initially that a student is sort of a higher level student and the things that we'll be discussing are maybe higher level concept and more fine tuning to in reality, they're making very fundamental mistakes. And, and that's really what needs to be addressed, like core fundamental mistakes in their application. 
So, um, Steve, just for those of us that may be technologically challenged like myself, what is RFID technology? Yeah, so technically, I think the term is radio frequency identification, right? And, and essentially, it's chips in the cards that are read by readers under the table. It's, it's sort of the stuff you've seen on any of the live streams online, live at the bike, or Hustler Live is now the big one. Or even in the WSOP, like the final tables, you'll, you'll be able to see the whole cards now. Used to be cameras back in the day. They used to have little whole card cameras. But now they're going to radio frequency identification. And it just allows us as coaches to have a monitor off table where we can, in real time, see the hands you're playing. And actually the hands that everybody's playing, including whole cards and, and everything. So, so it gives us a real leg up on the reality of the situation, right? Not like some player saying, oh, I just folded, you know, pocket nines there or whatever. And meanwhile, they had some other random hand. We actually can see what's going on. We know the truth. You know, we could see behind the curtain. So, so that gives us uh, a lot of extra added information to then move forward with when we're talking about uh, what each player needs to work on. Yeah, I would imagine that would be really helpful with the deception that can happen between a student and a coach, you know, where a student is embarrassed by maybe something they've done or they don't want to they don't want to admit to a flaw in their strategy. That has to be helpful in the sense that you know what they had. There, there's no more lying about it. There's no more self-deceit, nor is there deceit between the student and the coach. We have uh, and I've been involved in a lot of live player forum where there's been a lot of sharing of hands history. And I think that's a great way to learn, right? You obviously go play a hand at a casino and then you write it down or whatever. And then you come to a group of peers or coaches or whatever, and you give them that information and then you discuss it. One of the problems with, with that way of learning is that everything is colored by what you remember. And it's colored by how you frame it when you write out your hand history. And maybe you didn't get the stacks right. And maybe you didn't, you know, give the information on your opponent's posture correctly if you're if you're a behavior type of player or whatever. In the live classes, we have in real time all of that information. Like I'm sitting there watching the table when you say to me after the hand, well, I raised there because he he looked like he was weak. Well, I was looking at him too. And to me, he didn't look like he was weak. So that information is not available when you're doing a hand history online and you're just talking to some coach or you're having a conversation with your friend after a session. Whereas we have that information, and not only do we have it from us also seeing it, but we have it on film. So may, maybe you don't realize that, that some of the things you think you're seeing are not actually happening. <laughs> but we could go back in the video and say, hey, no, that bet size was actually X and not Y. That made a difference in this hand. And you need to be able to, you know, then I could say to a student, okay, this is an issue, right? Is this a recurring issue that you're not paying attention to the size of the pot or the size of the bed or, or all these fundamental things that you information, pieces of information that you need to make these decisions accurate. So, so it allows us to really quickly pinpoint, like you said, Dal, it, it cuts out a lot of, a lot of the sort of extra noise and allows us to get down to what needs to be discussed. So I, I would also imagine that this whole process helps to see where there's holes in, in somebody's range construction. I mean, because I think that one of the biggest problems we've got at lower stakes, my opinion is that most players do not truly understand good range construction. They know to play tight, 
but they don't know when to add hands in or when to take hands out. A lot of them will play a hand based on a win. I would imagine that going through this process where everything is seen by the coaches, everything is out there and open, it allows, I would imagine, for you to be able to say, here's a hole in your range construction based on these stack sizes, based on this position you're in, and be able to help a student correct that more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you an example of, of an interesting situation that happened. There was a there was a student in the last class we did, which was in February, I think, who I believed going into the class was a was a pretty high level student. And to be clear, he had good understanding or decent understanding of higher level concepts. And he was able to discuss those concepts. And that's why over time interacting with this this person over the internet and forums, I felt like they were pretty advanced, right? So we get to the to the actual day of filming and we start off our session and the, the first hand begins and folds to him in middle position and he limps. And I'm watching the table. I'm actually watching the table, not the monitor. So I don't know what his hold cards are at this point, right? And of course, to me, that opens up a lot of questions, right? <laughs> like what are we, what are we limping with? Because this is a this is this is an important point here to understand what this student's thought process is, right? So in my mind, I'm saying, okay, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump to conclusions here. I'm gonna maybe he's got a limping range that he's got a limp re-raise or whatever he's doing. I don't know. So then there's a raise and then position raise and everybody folds. It comes back to the guy who limped and he calls. So I'm like, okay, we're starting to get, we're starting to see some stuff here that I may have to think about that I may have to talk to him about, right? So I'm like, I'm very interested in what this hand is. So before any of the other action happens, of course, it's going on in real time. I quickly run and look at the monitor and it's King nine offsuit. And I'm like, okay, so this is fundamental mistakes going on here. There's some fundamental error in thought process here that is not the advanced things I thought I was going to be talking to this guy about. This is, this is like fundamental range construction. This is fundamental understanding of how that hand plays out of position and a raised pot and all the all these other things, right, that you need to go into with this student now that in a 30-second time period shifted entirely the conversations I thought I was going to have with, with this student. And, and of course, now it goes down a different direction, right? And if we didn't have that information, I may have spent two days talking to this student about advanced things that will make no difference in his game. Whereas now I get to talk to him about fundamental issues that are going to make huge differences in his game. Now, he, to be honest with you, didn't want to have those fundamental conversations because he felt like he was an advanced player. That's fine. Everybody has some perception of, of how they are, but it's, it's nice to be able to shine a light on it and say, okay, listen, this is, this is really what we need to talk about here because this is the thing that's going to move the needle for you. This is the thing that's going to make those big jumps right away not these little incremental, like advanced concepts. And we can get into a million different things, but there's no sense, right? If he's limping king nine offsuit and then calling raises out of position, none of that other stuff matters because you're just giving up so much money, making a huge error early in the hit, right? You just can't overcome that. You're not, he's not Tom Dwan. He's not going to be able to play. And, and Tom Dwan probably doesn't even limp go over king nine, you know, because whatever. So like, it's funny because, I like that part of it, but it makes it very challenging, right? Because I, I try and go in prepared and knowing who the people are we're dealing with, but it doesn't always end up being the, the, the level of understanding that you thought you were going to deal. 
And it could be higher or lower. It goes both ways. So Steve, you bring up a really interesting point about the student's receptiveness to the feedback. You had mentioned that you saw these fundamental flaws in their game that just opened up a huge possibility for them to be way more profitable if they just plug those leaks. And that when you mentioned it to them, they weren't really interested. They kind of got defensive. As a live coach going through these exercises in real time with all this information available to you, how do you break through those defenses? How do you get that student to not get defensive and, and open up and be willing to accept that feedback? You know, it's not easy, right? Uh, the live classes, for me, I like the social interaction, but I think there's a period of time in the first couple of hours where you need to earn the student's trust. A lot of things that I've run into with School of Cards or even being involved with Redship in the past and Software Y and stuff is that most of the time there's a face of the training site. Blake is obviously the face of School of Cards, right? And a lot of people go to these live classes because they know Blake or they know of Blake. Some of them have never heard my name, right? So when they arrive at a live class and both me and Blake are, are instructors, there is some time that I need to devote to sort of getting their trust, right? I need them to trust me and understand that I'm not here to like belittle you or like make you look silly in front of the rest of the class. We're all in this together with this is our group and we're all going to help each other through this. And I have experience that I can give to you. And I have hopefully knowledge and things that I may pick up on that you're not seeing or you're not willing to be deal with right now. And some of it is psychological. Like it's not all just mechanical. As a matter of fact, I think a large portion of it is psychological in that they have to be willing to maybe give up their attachment of how good they think they may be as a poker player, because really that's what it is, right? When someone points out, hey, you have this fundamental error and you get defensive, it's because you have an attachment to your, your skill level or what you perceive your skill level to be, your, your place in the poker universe, right? And we all have that. It doesn't matter what level we're at. We all don't want to be thought of as someone who doesn't play well, right? So I think uh, the short answer is really you have to you have to earn that trust. I don't expect students to just show up day one not knowing who I am and I'll say something. They're just going to take it at face value. And I will even go to the extreme of say, hey, listen, this is what you should be doing. Oh, and by the way, when you do this, here's the downside, right? Because there's always two sides to the coin. There's never this is a slam dunk. There's always you probably should be doing this, but you need to understand when you do this, it leads to this, 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 and this. So I think when I'm honest with them and I show them sort of the optionality of what they're doing and where it may lead them, that trust begins to grow. And it is a two-day course. So we're talking, we're going to spend 20 hours together over the two days. So, so after a while, they tend to fall in line, <laughs> I guess is maybe the term, you know? I don't know. And plus there's, you know, there are other students live. So when I'm talking to a student, other other students will... And this can also be good or bad. Other students will give their input, right? And they'll say, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So there is a certain amount of group discussion. It's not just singular sort of I'm always talking and they're always listening type of thing, or Blake is always talking and they're always listening. There is, it does end up actually becoming a little mini community for two days where everybody's there to sort of help help each other. I think that I can speak a little bit to this in the sense that I think I have had battle with every school of cards coach at some point. And I can honestly say that the biggest problem has always been my receptiveness. The thing is that 
you pay money for somebody to coach you. And I so much want to be like BJ. Like BJ pays his money for somebody to coach him. So he's got the philosophy and the mentality and the application that he is going to shut up, listen, and do what they say. I want that. I want to be more like that. I have a tendency to think I'm smarter than I really am and that I know more than I really do. And it's uh, one of those things that going into that situation and you're doing that battle. The thing I will say about Steve and I will say about Dom and all the coaches of school of cards is they were all very, very, very patient with me until I got to that point where I fell in line. And one, one might argue that I'm still not quite falling in line yet, but it is good to have people that are patient enough and genuinely care about your success. I think that's a large part of it, Steve, what you're talking about, is you genuinely care about the student's success. Some people are teaching classes, and I'm not going to say they're not good coaches, but whether or not they care about the student's success, I, I can't really speak to that. I can speak to, I can speak to school cards. They care about the student's success. Yeah, I think it's important, you know, just to give a little history on, on my interaction with School of Cards, like I know Blake for going on more than 10 years, and I took his original live classes when he taught in New York City, like I was a student. And back then, the classes were very similar. He, he ran them alone. But of course, we didn't have the RFID technology back then, but we did do live play. And back then, he offered his students to come back for free. Like if you took a class, you could come back to any future class for free. And I'm going to tell you, man, in the first six months, I, you know, he used to run two classes a month. I was probably at every class for six months <laughs> because I was like, I'm just going to take advantage of this. This is crazy. Why would I not go? This guy obviously knows a lot more about poker than me. He's got more experience. I can learn a lot from this guy. And I think it started my sort of love of community in poker and sort of like a feeling of if you can surround yourself with good people and, and, and you can sort of give to them, then they will give back to you. You know, it's, it is a, you know, there's a lot of, especially recently in poker, very recently, as we're filming this podcast, there's a lot of negativity going on in poker right now. There's a lot of bad news out there. But really, coaches, pros, recreational players, everybody is generally a good person. And if you reach out for help, you're going to get help. That's that's just the way this this community, larger poker community works. Specific to the live classes and dealing with students, we have coaches at School of Cards now who are all previous students. Dom is a previous student. Dom was a student of mine in the original pro group. So was Seabass. So was Jordan. They're all previous students, and they all came up and are now coaches. So when you can over many years, you know, four or five years now as a training site, develop students to then become coaches, you know that you have a strong pipeline, a strong community. It's like, I don't know if you guys are college football fans, but Nick Saban in college football at Alabama, like he has, I don't know, five, six, 10 former assistants who are now head coaches. And, and that's a testament to sort of his caring about the people who he was working with. And that's what started with Blake. Absolutely starts with Blake. Blake did that with me and Matt. When me and Matt first came on to School of Cards, Blake fostered that, those relationships. And that's why we're all still friends today. And we're all still with this, with this community. And then the students that me and Matt took on in the pro group have become coaches. So, so it is important to be 
at least in my opinion, I like to be emotionally invested in, in student successes, or even if it's not a coach student relationship, if it's a sort of like more of a mentor or whatever, or even a peer, like I'm very invested in my friend's successes. You know, I have friends in the poker community who I care if they do well or not. And if there's any way I could help them, and I know if there's any way if they can help me, that that works. And if you go into it with that mentality, no matter what your aspirations are, if you want to be just a you know a winning wreck or or really a, a pro, then whatever pro means. But if you want to be a pro, then you really should try and force that mentality. I'm going to give back, and even if your motives are selfish, it's going to help you more. You know, you're obviously better not having selfish motives. But the truth is that. The more you give, the more you're going to get. That's just the way it goes. And some students of School of Cards have become podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I say that in jest, but I really like to think that Dell and I are providing a service to the poker community. We are giving back in some way, shape, or form. And by doing so, we improve our games as well. So it isn't entirely altruistic. All that's great stuff. Um, the thing is that one of the things I want to address the funny thing is uh, you're going to be unprepared for this because I didn't put it in the show outline, but uh, I want to address the investment. You know, the, the reality is these classes are a substantial investment for low stakes players. And as we were talking, I was thinking about it. And the thing is that, that the person here that I think can speak most to this is BJ, because I have not been to one of those classes. I envy that he has, and I need to get myself to one. The thing that I want to speak to is is that investment worth it? What does that investment mean if you go into it with the attitude of a BJ Marshall that, that goes into it, willing to shut up, listen, and apply? Did you want me to answer that or Steve? I want you to answer it, BJ. <laughs> yeah. In my opinion, it's completely worth it to take a live class. I know we focus on process and not results, so I don't want to tie it to financial gain, but 2020 was, in fact, my most profitable year until 2021, which then doubled that profitable year. Before I took the live immersion class, Valentine's Day weekend 2020, I would make like two to five big blinds per hour. And now in 2021, I crushed it at almost 20 big blinds per hour. In 2020, after the class, I think I went up to maybe 12 to 15 big blinds per hour. Yeah, it's totally worth it. That's just for me. Your, your mileage may vary. And I saw Steve's eyes go up there when I was giving those numbers. Yeah, I, you know, the thing, I, the thing I think needs to be made clear since we're talking about this is it's not just show up on day one, do the class, show up on day two, do the class, and then see you later, have a nice life. That's not how we approach it. As a matter of fact, if you're going to the class, we actually give you study material before you get to the class. And some of the study material, things like, Cash Game Fix, which is a course on School of Cars, is a basically a $1,000 course. So you get that for free and you get that prior to going to the class. And the re we do that sort of for our own selfish reasons, because we want the students to have a certain level of uh, understanding of the game before they get there. We, it's very hard to integrate very beginner level students with sort of more advanced students and teach them at the same time. So we need people to be at least somewhat close in their skill set. Uh, so we give them training material before that. Not only that, but before when they sign up for the class, before arriving, they have access to, to our larger community, which also gives them the opportunity to sort of bring themselves up to speed. 
And then after the class, they have continuing access to all of that information and the community. So it's interesting because I, I somewhat agree, like if it were just a singular one-off go do something and then stop doing it, I think it might not be worth it. But we don't approach it that way. Like we literally approach it as you're becoming part of, of this group, this larger group, and we're, and we're going to help you before the class. We're obviously going to try and give you as much information and, and help you as much as we can during the class. And then we're going to be there after the class. And I think the review after the class is also super important because some students take the time to actually go through their videos or review what has been said or, or been given to them or maybe create their own sort of study routines like you did, BJ, after your live class. Um, you took it upon yourself to take the information you learned and then continue growing. And that's why, for you, it had such a huge effect on your win rate. Other students in that same class who have disappeared, like, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Who knows? Maybe it didn't move the needle for them at all. But I don't feel badly about that because if they want to come back and they want to talk to us in the community or whatever, or chat or reach out, we're here. You know, so, so it, is, it is interesting because... I think there, it is true to say that two days aren't going to make that big of a difference, right? Uh, they can, and they certainly do for students, but it's also about what you do before and definitely about what you do after. And, and BJ, you are a testament to that because you did work your butt off after those classes, and that absolutely helped in, in the difference in your win rate because it is a drastic difference in a win rate. To say you go from you know, four or five big blinds to you know, 10 to 20 big blinds is like, that's a huge difference. So Steve, I'm, I'm just going to ask you, when they become a member of the community, is it true that they would have access to a study group that's run by a really cool dude? <laughs> you know, this is, this is, this is one of the cool things about our community, right? Like we're, <laughs> students are always involved and that's why, why students become coaches because essentially students learn how to both figure out what their own issues are. And also because of interaction with all the other students, they learn to sort of diagnose the issues of the other students, right? And really, what is that other than a coach? That's, those are the skills required to become a, you know, a coach in anything or a mentor in anything, right? You learn from somebody who may have had more insight, and then you hopefully pass it along to someone who has less insight, you know? And, and I do take a lot of pride in the idea that the School of Cards community has fostered that environment. You know, I think I think it's a really important thing in this case. Just, just for those who don't know, uh, I I uh, facilitate a study group uh, for cash game fix for you know the the members of our our community. So um, I was doing a little self promotion there. Go ahead, BJ. Yeah, and Dell has gone on record saying that he thinks he's a kind of a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm alone in that boat, but. <laughs> Yeah. And to be clear, so Dell Dell obviously runs the study group, but the coaches are involved too, right? Like, I mean, Jordan's in there all the time. I know when I go in there, I see Jordan in there all the time. And there are, by the way, like Dan, who is uh, one of the students at School of Cards, he or he's a huge winner in the two five games, like absolutely crushing the two five games and the five tens now. You know, he's in that what you would say is maybe a more beginner level study group. You know, from as far as the information we're consuming, cash game fix, although you could debate if that's beginner level information or not, but I think it's more advanced. But 
But Dan, who is a crusher of 2-5 and 5-10, is in there with someone maybe who is not yet beating 1-3. So once again, he's another example, right? Udell are an example. BJ is an example. Well, all the students who are giving back to students who are maybe not at that level yet. Uh, and there are other communities, don't get me wrong, like, I know we're doing a lot of pumping for School of Cards here, but like, there are other communities who do the same thing. I don't think they do it as well as we do it. <laughs> but and that's why I'm at School of Cards and not at some of the other ones. But other communities do the same thing. I mean, South for Y has basically this, the same type of format. They have their academy, which by the way, you guys know, I'm a huge fan of South for Y. I've Taking one-on-one co one -on -one coaching from from some of those coaches, I attended the academy. You know, I'm very friendly with those guys. So, like, there's other options out there for you, but the I think the blueprint is what's important, right? Understanding sort of how you can create your your study habits, the information you're studying, the community you're doing it with. That's really going to propel you. Um, and live classes can be, if you choose, if it fits you, and maybe it doesn't fit everybody. Uh, if you choose to go that route, they can be very helpful. I, I think it's a great experience for people. So Steve, speaking about community and speaking about how people can develop their own skills and maybe do some coaching, either through School of Cards or through you personally, <laughs> how can they reach out to you? Are you on the social medias? How can people contact you? Yeah, me personally, I'm definitely on the social medias. I mean, Chip Extractor, I'm on Instagram, or you could just email me, Chip Extractor at, at Gmail. Maybe you drop it in the notes. But as far as School of Cards directly, if you just go to their website, which is, you know, schoolofcards.com, what'll happen is it'll prompt you to sort of fill out a survey, and that'll be real basic poker questions. Uh, and then you'll get on the School of Cards mailing list, and you'll be contacted and sort of be shown what is available to you at School of Cards, both in course content and live class content. Uh, and then you can sort of decide where you're at. We like or at least Blake likes doing the, the survey when you first enter our sphere, because it gives us an idea of where you are as a player. And it's, it's almost the same thing we do with the live classes, right? It's like, okay, we're going to observe you. We're going to listen to what you have to say. We're going to figure out what you're doing uh, online. Obviously, when you fill out the survey at schoolofcards.com, it's written in the live classes. It's obviously we're there with you so we can see what's going on. Uh, and then we address what you need to be addressed, not what we're trying to force feed you in some sort of video we made this week that may not have anything to do with what you want to work on. We're going to give you the information that is required for you to make the next step in your evolution, not, not necessarily what we think the next step should be for all poker players, right? It's very personalized, and, and, and I like it that way. And if anybody knows Blake, by the way, if anybody knows Blake Eastman, he knows everybody. Like, there's a lot of students at School of Cards, and like, he knows everything about everybody. I'll, I'll ask him sometimes. I'll be like, who, you know, I just noticed someone posted something, and I'm not familiar with that guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's from Albuquerque, and he's got three kids. And he, and I'm like, how do you know all this stuff? So he's very involved with his students. So, I mean, we're doing a lot of talking about the live classes. And right now, uh, I, I know that you guys have a lot of classes scheduled. They are pulled up for the time being. But I also know that I know that if people contact School of Cards and they express interest in live classes, if there's enough interest, more live classes get added. And I also know this. People cancel because things come up, whether it be family issues, financial issues, or the last time people canceled, I believe it was over COVID. And 
if you're on that mailing list, and, and we'll we'll leave in the notes how to get to School of Cards and, and how to get on that mailing list. But if you're on that mailing list, then you can get the information you need to possibly fill one of those openings or to express a desire for more live classes. I have actually recently relocated to Vegas full-time, relocated to Vegas, and we do the classes here. Uh, in Las Vegas. So it, it's, you know, it's a nice place to visit if you're a poker player, obviously for the classes, but also for other experiences. We started back up in the fall uh, and we seem to be on a schedule to do about three or four a year. Uh, and generally it's more than one class in each block. So it'll be maybe two or three classes. Now we have different types of classes as well at School Cards. We have uh, the immersion class, which is generally the class me and Blake are involved in, where we cover more general topics, uh, and it's geared towards, you know, one, three, two, five types of players, maybe five, ten players, both recreational and sometimes pros, or people who are trying to make it a profession. And then he also has the Beyond Tells classes, which are run entirely separate. Beyond Tells is School of Cards' flagship uh, course. And it's a behavioral course, and it's really what Blake is known for. So, so there are not only multiple courses, but multiple types of courses available. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a lot of different ways that people can reach out to both you and the community. Dell, do you have anything else to add to this topic? I think we pretty much covered it well. No, I, I mean, it's been really great having Steve on. I'm really grateful that he has been a coach in my life. And honest, I've been a member of several different training sites. and I can honestly say that the thing that separated School of Cards for me were the people like Steve and Dom and Jordan and Matt and Blake that genuinely cared about me. It wasn't just they were collecting my money and force feeding me their version of good poker. They wanted to see what I needed. They cared about my success. They were able to help me spot the blind spots. They were able to help me work through my own arrogance, all this stuff. We've already talked about all of it, but I mean, I really can't say it enough. And uh, I'm grateful Steve joined us today. All right. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Really appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks uh, Thanks for giving me a platform to talk about the things I love to do, which is coach live poker. Absolutely. And maybe we will see you in Vegas. And if you house us, if you put us up, Dell does carpentry. I do a whole bunch of handiwork so we could fix up that new house you just moved into. I shouldn't say the new house, the ancient house you just moved into. Yeah, well, I need to help. We'll talk about that for sure. All right, later, man. And until next week, stick to the plan and may all your variants be positive. This has been The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. If you haven't already done so, consider subscribing. And when you're not counting your chips, take a moment to leave the guys a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours.